0: Uh, thank you very much for uh, being here. I'm I'm thrilled to moderate uh, this panel. We have some really fantastic guests. I'm very honored and very thrilled uh, to have uh, such guests here with me. Um, we're still wait- waiting for uh, Ellen, so I'm gonna introduce her uh, last. Um, On the very right, um, it's my honor to introduce uh, Katja Hermes. Uh, She's director of Music uh, Cities at Sound Diplomacy. Uh, She founded the Sound Diplomacy office in Berlin. Uh, Katja has consulted uh, several cities, and I think she's going to talk about that later, in terms of Music City strategies. Uh, She gave lectures about Music Cities at events all over the world um, and initiated the Music Cities network uh, with the Hamburg Music Business Association um, she consulted with the United Nations, Industrial Development Organizations, uh, GIZ, uh, the Ar- Adam Mikiewicz, I don't know if I pronounce it properly in Poland, uh, Nordic Embassies, and so many others. Uh, she has great experience in the music industry as well, having worked for MuTec, Ableton, as well as Initiative Musik. And uh, she also holds a uh, degree in geography and economy with a focus on urban planning and creative industries. Katja, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Um, Sitting right next to me is uh, Michaela Magas, Uh, she's an innovation catalyst who bridges uh, the worlds of science, art, design, technology and academic research. So uh, very much interdisciplinary, trying to connect uh, the different worlds uh, in her work and has uh, more than 20 years experience doing that. Uh, She's an advisor on innovation and artificial intelligence to the European Commission as well as the G7 leaders. Uh, in 2017, she was awarded European Woman Innovator and in two th- by the European Union, and in 2016, she was presented with an Innovation Luminary Award for Creative Innovation. Um, Michaela has a background in design um, and worked, has worked with uh, companies like Apple, Nike, Nokia, to just mention a few. Um, the list goes on. Uh, and she founded, I believe, in 2012, Music Tech Fest. Um, where she brings together innovators um, from across industries, media, artists, performers, developers, etc. And as part of music tech, uh, she also directs music bricks that uh, placed exclusive tools under the hands of creative developers and makers and has them taken to market. Um, And maybe she's also going to tell us a little bit about her concept of industry commons later on. I'm very happy that she made it from Umea in Sweden all the way to Berlin here. Uh, Welcome, Michaela. Um, I'm going to move all the way over to uh, the left-hand side. We have uh, Michael Schwarzer. He's an entrepreneur at the intersection of tech and music. Uh, his experience is primarily based on his work for several startups in the field of music, uh, tech and innovation management. Um, he holds a master's degree in music and creative industries um, from the pub academy of Baden-Württemberg, which is also where we know each other from. Um, Markus is, importantly, also co-founder of a startup called GrooveCat, where his activities range from business modeling to social media analysis uh, using a design thinking mindset. So. Um, Marcus, it's glad to, it's great to have you. Uh, welcome to the panel. Thank you. And uh, finally joining us on stage is uh, Professor Dr. Ellen Euler. That's all right. Uh, she, has a, she holds a professorship for open access and open data at the Faculty of Information Sciences at the University of Applied Sciences in Potsdam since last year. Um, before that, she worked in the management department of the German Digital Library, and uh, her research primarily focuses on free access to knowledge uh, and culture via the internet as a basis for uh, digital transformative cultural practices. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you, Ellen, and uh, welcome everyone. Um, Have you picked up the, the headphones Yeah, Wonderful, okay. Um, So as you can see, we have different experts from different fields here. Um, We have a startup that's uh, working at the intersection intersection of music, technology, um, as well as plays. Uh, We have an expert for open access and open data and also um, concerning the legal aspects of that. Um, We have an expert when it comes to uh, interdisciplinary work and innovation across uh, the different fields, as well as an expert uh, of the relation between music and the city and how those two spheres uh, relate. First of all, I mean, this, this panel here, what we're gonna be dealing with primarily is to try to combine the concept of the smart city with the concept of the music city. Um, both concepts are fairly well established, but there are hardly any conceptual or strategic intersections between those two. Um, so I see this discussion as a starting point to engage in discussions that should be, of course, continued um, further on between uh, of how we can meaningfully combine the smart city aspects as, with the, the music city uh, concept, um, as you all know, the smart city um, is an integrated approach to make cities more sustainable, economically more viable, uh, greener, of course, also, but also more socially inclusive. Um, I'm not sure if everyone is so familiar with the concept of the music city, however. And I would, uh, in order to start the discussion, I would like to ask uh, Katja if she could elaborate a little bit about the concept of. Music cities and why it m- does make sense for cities to invest in music uh, as an important strategic tool for urban development?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, basically the idea of music cities. There's not not a real definition. There's not like anything, um, yeah, scientific written down that is says like, okay, this exactly is a music city. Obviously, a lot of people research on this topic, um, so at sound diplomacy how we see music cities is it's basically an ecosystem in cities that uh, relates to music that means there is music education there's um, music industry um, people living in a in a city listening to music um, so everything that's connected to music music clubs nightlife uh, entertainment but also bars where music is played so basically music is in a city is everywhere and it's often not seen as this um, that it it kind of connects with our life so often um, also when you think of even hospitals or car um, yeah, shopping centers usually there's music everywhere but it's it's often not seen as it and um what we, When we talk to cities, um, cities usually have strategies for everything. They have like a transport strategy, they have often starting now to have a tech strategy, but hardly anyone has a music strategy. So when we approach cities, we really try to explain, um, first of all, where music plays a role, and then second of all, what the benefits are that uh, music gives to a place. Um, Obviously, there's the economic impact that music has, first of all, from the music industry that is in a place like labels, booking agents, bands living in the city. Um, but there's much more to that. So when you think of music tourism, why do people come to a place um, like Berlin? It's often because they want to go to clubs and um, yeah, just access the nightlife. And... Um, so we start to explain that, like, what what is actually uh, music bringing to a place in terms of economic impact? Then the second one is um, the social inclusion that music brings to a place. Um, there are tons of projects all over the world uh, where music interacts with um, neighborhoods, where you bring like young kids together or um, different people together. It's music is a great tool in general for for community building. And bringing people together that usually probably wouldn't speak to each other. Music is an amazing um, tool for that. And then there's obviously the cultural value um, that music brings, like musicians living in a place, performing, having shows, bands at night, um, this kind of um, yeah um, part as well. And uh, if you combine this all together, it just is a it just has such a huge impact on, on a place, um, music makes, um, when there is a good music scene and a lively city, it just is uh, so much more important for, for people to be in that place and to stay in that place also, and also obviously to come and visit. So it gives, um, yeah, it ju- just gives huge benefits to cities.
0: Um, I was wondering, since um, you know, music is, is completely digital these days, do music cities have an advantage in forwarding or, or working on smart cities? Or are music cities already in some ways smart cities?
1: Um, I'd say yes. Um, I wouldn't directly connect it to the digitization of music. It's more because um, when you think of where music can play a role in a city, um, that's, that you can connect it really easily with smart cities' con- concepts. Um, there is this a project in Austin, for example, where they have um, sound sensors all over the city. And then they censor like, okay, there is a big music club and it's loud outside. And they can easily send, for example, the um, not even the police, but maybe neighborhood departments or people that are the music officers of a city. And they can kind of... Um, try to yeah, level the, the problems down um, that music also brings to a place. So this is kind of the positive and negative impact that music has. But there are obviously a lot of uh, concepts that are used in terms of data and music, um, how you can yeah make the city more livable for everyone because it's music... Obviously has an impact on on neighborhoods as well it's loud, it's noisy, it's often seen as a difficult scene to have in your neighborhood, but there are so many solutions with uh, data that it can be yeah made smarter through that but also on the other hand that music has an impact on how you can um, organize transport for example or have music in in um, public spaces um, and just yeah create. Um, better experiences for, for people living there.
0: And in how far do you think that uh, other sectors can learn from the music industry uh, as you know, being one of the first sectors that have been completely digitalized? Um, do you think it can be a benefit also to a city in terms of um, learnings from the music industry and that we can incorporate in urban development but also in the technologies and, and also other creative industries or other sectors completely?
1: Yeah, definitely. I guess it's um, it's already been seen like that because. Um so many other, um, like book the book market or a film market, they had kind of to um, adapt later than the music industry. But it's a good learning, all the streaming that's been used and that it doesn't mean that an industry is, is dead because of digitization. It can also grow in a different way. And I think music is an amazing example for that and also how consumers um, interact with that nowadays. So yeah, for sure.
0: Thank you, Katja. Michaela, um, you founded Music Tech Fest about uh, six years ago now. Um, Please tell us a little bit about why you came up with the concept and how some of the projects that you realized within Music Tech related to the city and what impact perhaps they had on the different cities that you um, uh, organized Music Tech Fest in.
2: Well, I started with the idea that uh, we need to bring lots of different people together in the same room because I realized working across all those different areas, like working in like in the Royal College of Art or Goldsmiths in London or, or working uh, with the music industry. I was working with Peter Gabriel at the time and with iTunes and people like that. And I realized that there were so many incredible things going on on both sides or on all sides, like in the art- artistic realm with musicians, but also with technology that was being developed in the area of, you know, what, what most people would just find what, like music information retrieval. Okay, some people here in the room might know what that is, but a lot of people didn't. And it was phenomenal to start that was happening so we needed to somehow bring everybody together and of course you start with the city and its ecosystem and you pull all the threads of the ecosystem so of course it was London I was based in London and I knew all these people in London and I was able to you know this is this is the wonderful thing about city being an ecosystem of different knowledge areas and different specialisms that if you have a positive approach to this not to segregate it, but actually to pull it together You actually get this fantastic, like, bit like Republica, you know, pool of knowledge in one place, and new things happen out of that. Now, music—we call it a social glue—because music is phenomenal for this, right? If you say to, uh, if I go to a hardcore scientist and I say to them, "Come to a creative event," and they go, "I'm not sure that that's kind of my thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a proper rigorous scientist type, and I don't think I would feel awkward." And you say, well, come to a music event and we'll mess with some kind of new kinds of tools. And they just go, they go, yeah, I'm into music. Like, I either listen to music or I play. And it turns out they all play an instrument. turns out they love that kind of environment. So it's a a fantastic social glue. And once you've brought people together, um, you... uh, right from the beginning we said okay we're interacting in the physical space we're not going to write code for the screen we're not going to write little apps that isolate everybody in front of their screen what we want is to create new kinds of instruments, new kinds of modes of interaction and communication. The communication actually is not something we emphasised, but it came as a byproduct. If you actually get people to interact over building new, well, hack into kind of objects like some hacked into a ping pong table, for instance, and sonified it so that if you played badly, it went like the music kind of went funny, and and so basically they ended up all these people ended up gathering around the ping pong table because it was a musical instrument people from completely different backgrounds start to play with each other, interact with each other, become kind of connected through an experience. And then everybody ends up on stage. This is the other thing. And so the communication thing happened uh, very much as a byproduct of interacting with music. We broke down the barriers that jargon or a different kind of class or social device, class in Britain, sorry guys, but in Britain, you know, you have class divides still wouldn't believe it but you do and 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 basically you you break all those down because they they come in and rather than exchanging a business card they actually connect through an experience they build something together they perform together they learn to express themselves together and all of a sudden they're like best mates on facebook so you know it's a it's a fantastic way to galvanize first the communities within a city that come from different quarters um, and then to connect cities between each other as well. Because as we started to tour with the Music Tech Fest, uh, and we were invited by different cities to bring it in. And so we ended up doing Wellington in New Zealand. to have some fantastic images of like um, Maori um, uh, musicians dressed in just a kind of like a little grass skirt with a huge carved instrument. And then the guy with the, uh, I think it was a native instruments, gadget and the two of them were were playing together and the Maori guys wanted to have their instruments hacked with electronics and it was just it's just fantastic like the stuff that comes, that the you know the enthusiasm of bringing these worlds together and you can certainly do that in you know cities a wonderful effectively container for this kind of thing
0: so there's a sort of an implicit effect on the ecosystem of each city that you're doing music tech fest in. Um, I was wondering if you could elaborate on a couple examples from innovations that had a more or less direct impact on the city that came out of music tech.
2: yeah, we had some insane experiences umio city the reason i'm i in umio i mean we, our business is in stockholm now but and <coughs> Umeå, um, uh, uh, that's, that's another case in point, because actually you've probably have seen that ABBA regrouping and sending avatars around, right? You've seen that, right? So we are actually in the building owned by Bjorn Ulveus, Um So you can see that, you know, ABBA goes tech. Um, so everything's going in that direction. Um, but we were invited first to in Umio. Umio is one hour north, uh, uh, that's flying time from Stockholm. It's a university city. It's a little bit like Cambridge, Maine feel. And uh, it was City of Culture that year. And some, the, one of the creative directors of the City of Culture had been to Music Tech Fest in London and said, we need to bring these guys here. So <clears throat> we arrived there. It was fantastic, small, 100,000-people city, university-led, so lots of intelligence, lots of international crowd. It's fantastic sort of medley. And, you know, big industries, startups, all, like bits of everything. It was really great. And there, we have such great cities in Europe like this that are that kind of size between 100 and 500,000. Um, that have these kinds of uh, wonderful capabilities. And um, we seeded some ideas, our community seeded some ideas there. One of the ideas that started as a music playlisting system that was using gesture and um, uh, other parts of the sort of human body rather than the usual kind of like uh, uh, interaction with uh, with hands and, and keyboards. Um, basically at first got uh, the um, interest from the gaming community in the city, Uh, but then we realized that the same system um, was uh, very, very appropriate as a communication system for the forestry industry, would you believe it? And so they have Komatsu there, which is the second biggest manufacturing plant for uh, heavy vehicles for forestry. Went there, interacted, basically brainstormed with the head of product, and they got totally into it. And they went, this is amazing. This is, this is like an iPhone for us. And then the biggest uh, investor in the region said, right, if Komatsu is going to buy this, we all invest. So basically, suddenly you have what something that started as playing with music and playlists and stuff that gets ported into a primary industry <laughs> as an application, and it gets invested in, but the biggest investor in, you know, and, and <coughs> it puts a, a city on a map. Um, so this is just one example I mean, we have lots but it, it's, uh, we get surprised all the time as to how portable some of the stuff that comes out of our ecosystem uh,
0: how do you ensure that it's sustainable uh, what you come up with during Music tech Fest, is there a way to sort of Trace where the things are going and how you know how they progress and, and what's being done with it.
2: Yeah, we've been uh, working twenty four seven. I haven't had a holiday in six years, so that's how. <clears throat> and raising constantly raising funding and 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 not just a uh, 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 public but private funding as well. We've been supporting by over a hundred companies, but we have been building structure into it the entire time, looking at what the community needs giving them talk. so I thought, yeah, okay, these guys are doing amazing stuff and there's some great ideas. If we give them exclusive tools, access to exclusive data sets, for instance, or rather, I mean exclusive only in the sense that we've negotiated them with companies and said, you know, right, why don't we pull this all this data from all these different um, uh, people? It turns out, you know, Philips turns up and they say, do you want do you want our hue lighting stuff? And, and then, you know, you, you get all these different kind of sectors that come into this, place and say why don't you combine all this stuff and see what the guys can come up with then we need a structure that safeguards their IP and that safeguards our community's IP so intellectual property and um, uh, uh, I have you know notoriously fought lawyers in, 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 in America when we were in Boston um, saying no our innovators get to keep their IP what they generate is theirs Uh, And we have created structures that support this and also work with local incubators to make sure that all the ideas that are seeded its not just one of those things where you just do a hackathon, someone invents something cool, they present it and then uh, basically they go and have a beer. Instead, you actually say, right, um, the best ideas will get incubated in the local incubators. This is what happened to the forestry one as well. Uh, and so basically the local ecosystem gets engaged, the local incubators get engaged, the local business, um, businesses get engaged, and then you you take it to the next stage where the next festival, you showcase where they got to. And also you'll make sure that this communication thing just keeps flowing. So so many things we have built and um, this is where we've uh, ended up um, uh, doing the Music Bricks pilot uh, when we tested that system and also... When we realized that all of industry we're interested in coming into the space of music tech and actually interacting with us, we scaled it to something called industry commons. So this basically a proper open innovation. I mean, it's amazing that, you know, the music, music tech has allowed us to create a proper open innovation ecosystem uh, for all industry around it.
0: Um, Open innovation uh, is, uh, I think, a a proper starting point uh, to involve Ellen in the the conversation as well. Um, Since you're dealing with open access and open data, I think one of the key questions of course here, and I think you might uh, perhaps disagree with a couple of uh, things that Michaela um, uh, said, Um, I was wondering how how do we make culture in general um, more accessible for people? Not only in the city, but in general, of course. Um, and how can we ensure that you know, the, the culture in general is, has a greater presence for everyone, um, in cities, everywhere?
3: Okay, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, First, I felt a little bit like Michaela uh, described. I thought, so music, mm, so uh, what do you invite me for this panel? What is it? I'm neither an expert in music nor in smart cities. But then I realized, okay, um, it it deals a lot with my um, research topics and there are a lot of parallels. And if you think about um, open and smart cities, you have to think about open data and how you make um, that accessible um, and all those stuff those um, open or smart city initiatives build on open data and um, of course it there are some standards and you have to um, have an interface first of all and the data um, so it's um, music or uh, all, all um, kind of cultural data or uh, all kind of data so I'm um, First of all, I'm dealing with research data, but um, also for other kinds of data, it's important that this data is findable, first of all, that it's um, accessible, it has to be interoperable and it has to be um, reusable. So this is called FAIR, the FAIR um, principle for data, and it's um, designed by the European Commission for Research Data, but it's also applicable for um, Music data as well. Um, so, that does this answer your question? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I, I was wondering, do you think? Do you feel like um, cities are collecting enough data these days? I mean it seems like especially with music, the companies own the data but uh, it's not, it 's not, it's not a common good of course, uh, because it 's commercially used. Um, should c- cities start engaging in collecting relevant data more thoroughly than they currently are? would that be of benefit do you think
3: uh, this is an interesting question because i um, i'm dealing, the nar- the narrative in um, the research topics I'm doing is um, a little bit, um, it's another narrative. It's about, so we create um, public information, it's, it's built on public funds, it's financed um, by public funds, and then all this information has to be freely available, it has to be accessible, it has to be reusable, and this um, kind of data we are talking about today, music data, is private data, and Um, if you ask me if the cities should collect um, also um, more data um, this concerns um, a lot of privacy um, aspects so um, yeah I think smart city is much about um, how to solve um, societal problems and there is a need of data and I think yes um, some kind of data um, should be collected and made um, available. If not, the commercial and the large companies they collect this data, they have it, and they also decide um, how to use it. And um, this is uh, this is a problem because um, we do need this data, access to this data to um, analyze it and to solve the problem as well. So um, it is a question: How can we make accessible the private data um, for? Uh, the commonwealth use.
0: um uh. We previously uh, briefly talked about the very fractured landscape, the legal landscape in Germany at least uh, when it comes to privacy etc and copyright as well. Um, I was wondering if you could give us a brief uh, insight into the fractured structures uh, of the legal frameworks. I mean there are new initiatives by the EU. Um, I don't think we have to go into great detail but just to see how complex the picture really is uh, in order to provide um, access to data, um, especially in Germany uh, it, it could be useful if you uh, um, also tell us perhaps from your perspective, um, coming from the library and museum side of things, um, you know, um, is Google Arts basically um, the the Spotify of, of uh, art?
3: If Google Arts is the Spotify, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I don't think so. But, uh, first of all, the legal fragmentation or the legal framework, which is very um, fragmented here in Germany. um, This is a problem, I think, because you have uh, at least three um, federal laws, which all um, gains the same or, with (laughs) all, Try to make accessible data or reusable data. this is uh, for example, the information reuse act um, but they are all um, in uh, incapable to reach this goal because it 's so fragmented and uh, so um we have one law that is about the reuse of information, but doesn't um, regulate how to get the information. We have a law which regulates um, how to access information, but it's not about how to um, reuse information. And we have a law um, which is about um, yeah, the availability of information but it's only about the availability of um, direct um, public authorities and so in other countries it's a little bit different so in france for example we have the one solution fits it all we have a a digitization law and i think here um, we should think about um, uh, more uh, a solution that is more easy to um get the information that solves this problem.
0: So there should be one centralized, probably federal solution. Yeah, and if you
3: speak about is Google um, Google Arts like um, Spotify for music, Google for arts um, yeah, there there are some parallels because Google monopolizes um, information and um, as I just um, um, told you that, that the problem is that we don't have access to to this information, to this data. And um, Google can make a lot, gains a lot of um, information and can make um, big data analysis um, with this um, big data it, it has. Um, but it has to be, we have to create um, more public spaces so that we have um, a, a big pool of um, open data and everyone um, needs to be um, able um, to use this data and
0: Thank you, Ellen Michael, um, uh, since you're, you're now running a company called GrooveCat that of course also handles data um, quite a bit um, first of all, I was wondering uh, please explain the the concept of sure. GrooveCat and your business model yeah. uh, briefly, so that everyone understands what you're doing, and uh, then I have plenty of other questions for you <laughs> Okay, looking forward
4: uh, yeah, I'm going to quickly run you guys through what we actually do. Uh, we're GrooveCats. It is an app for capturing and sharing your music moments. So the feeling you get when the music you're listening to fits perfectly to the situation you're in. Uh, it could be almost anywhere. I'm pretty sure that loads of you guys know what I'm talking about. You're just out on your bike and you're listening to the song that you've been like going crazy on for the last week. And this just enhances the situation uh, and makes it to so much more. Um, With our app, you can just quickly um, take out your smartphone, do a quick video and the technology will detect if there is music running on your device or uh, is the music coming from the environment. Uh, It has a so-called Shazam integration. Um, And then it will search the song in Spotify and add the original sound to the video. And you can also um, quickly add the emotion that you're feeling right now in that moment and share this on the app, or, um, yeah, we're in beta right now, it's not uh, it's not possible right now, but quickly or soon you will be able to share all this content from GrooveCat and all the other uh, social media channels. Um, and what it initially does and what it helps us is understand which music in which situation makes people feel in a, in a, in a certain way and also, like, triggers actions. And uh, I would say these are the three or four data points that we actually connect. It's the music, uh, the situation which has a big impact on music consumption, and uh, music, uh, how, you, how you perceive music, uh, and the emotion that it evokes. And of course, uh, the location where you
0: took the music moment in. So I guess you're working with ads. Is it, where's your revenue coming from? Um, the revenue? <laughs> Or will That's be right. coming from <laughs> <laughs>
4: the business model question. Um, yeah, like this data, like in connection uh, with or like in, with with learning algorithms, uh, can actually benefit for businesses of all kinds. Um, so let's say you business X Y Z and you want to um, you want to produce an, an ad, and you don't know the uh, you don't have the right music for it. Um, you hire music supervisors that will do the job for you. That's vastly costly. Uh, it takes ages and it's coming down to subjective uh, decisions at the end because it's like just a couple of people um, Making this decision based on their experience So they're like look in the in the past what it worked in the past and that's a big problem for businesses And that also excludes a lot of businesses because it's too risky and it's too costly for them uh, we solve this problem with our data because we uh, yeah, how I explained before, we can we can see which uh, emotion is evoked in a specific target group by song in the combination with situation.
0: I mean, I would imagine uh, a lot of the pictures are taking in cities as well. Um, so there's a direct you can trace a direct relation between a certain place in the city and the music and the the emotion that connects the two. Um, I would imagine that a city has some interest in this connection and also um, an interest in the data related to that. Could could you imagine having a city as a partner, as opposed to I don't know an ad agency, for instance?
4: A city is, about, um I would say that our data is mostly um, interesting for. A Big music events, or like any kinds of musical events, and that depends. Like if the city is actually the organizer of program or like a, of a musical event, um, then definitely, definitely working with cities would uh, enhance the experience of people, um, enhance the social experience and the connection between people. Um, because like if you if you take music moments with the Shazam integration at a specific point. In the city um, you also know all the other people around you who were activated by this song and you can gather like, loads of data from that, ranging from infrastructure to like, uh, future events uh, and the programming of future events. Like so definitely,
0: but, but I think to me it's also a, a place making tool. I mean, you connect a certain place with music and it's and it's you know you, the emotion is right at the center of this, um so it's you form a kind of identity between place and music through the your app, basically, so I think. Cities should be highly interested in what you're doing uh, and I think you know not only the film the the music as well as the the ad industry um, should be interested but I think it, it it might be interesting very interesting for cities as well um Katya, you, you briefly told me um, that you're currently working on a tool to measure um, music cities and the impact that music has on cities. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go into the details, but maybe let us l- l- know a little bit about the frameworks that you're working mm-hmm. with and what your goals are there.
1: Yeah, Just to add something, I think it's a great tool for cities. Um, you could also, on, on the marketing perspective, I mean, if you create a guide what people listen to at a specific place that can be super, super interesting in terms of tourism and, yeah, guiding people through a city. So, yeah, look into that. (laughs) Um, So our tool, yeah, we're in super, super beta phase, so I can't uh, say that much about it. So at the moment, we're kind of developing a tool with mostly open data that's accessible through open APIs, and we want to find out, like, what is the value of music in a place, so basically, we have around 50 data points that we are collecting at the moment from, um, yeah, music schools, music teachers to clubs, uh, bars, nightclubs, um, listeners, ticketing in a place, and then we're kind of the goal is to collect that data and to uh, on the one side give the cities an idea what's happening in their city, so having a map where it says, like, okay, this is all what music means to you or is happening in your city with music, but also what it means um, for your city. And um, then on the second hand, also to compare cities with that. So uh, how much um, yeah, value is music worth in a place like uh, Vancouver and how much is it worth in Montreal? Um, and, yeah, the idea is also to create an economic... Um, tool out of it that you can like give like the idea of how much yeah the really music is worth in a place
0: Um, I think when we talk about smart music cities, even more so than music cities, uh, we have to talk about breaking down silos also in the city administration. I think this is absolutely key. Um, I was—it's a question for everyone here. Um, I was wondering how can the city become more of a facilitator in order to break down silos and and tackle um, the important questions that we have to deal with at the intersection of smart and music. Um, and I think. It, getting people from different aspects and different fields and different disciplines together um, seems to be absolutely paramount, but as we all know, um, cities being oftentimes highly bureaucratic um, have severe difficulty uh, establishing that and being the facilitator for a process that is so desperately needed. Um, What can be done? What are some of the things that... um,
2: yeah, actually, perfect cue for me, because I was thinking about that exactly as you were saying. Um, Smart city, well, data-enabled cities are given. That's like, let's just park that. That's happening anyway, right? So, actually, it's almost kind of not worth kind of elaborating too much about how de- how data-enabled it is, because it's, it is. Um, and and when, I, when I advise to the G7 and they say, oh, how can governments interact with AI? Uh, with their, through AI with their citizen artificial intelligence and they all imagine these kind of website portals and they're going to program AI to detect da- data patterns and stuff and I say no, 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 no no. your data enabled public buildings and your bicycle sharing schemes and all of those data enabled things in your city are the interface between you and your citizen and therefore you should actively engage in that discourse so the data enabled city I think is is, is definitely there I think the smart city is a city that knows how to balance its ecosystem and make best use of its assets. And I think those, I think I mentioned earlier, the vast majority of European cities are actually between 100 and 500,000 people. Um, and that seems, those cities have a really good balance. I mean, when you look at what they're made of, they're made of cultural, very heavy cultural components. We're really good in Europe at that, at making sure that all those have centers of culture they, you know they have museums, they have theaters, they have all those kinds of and then they have they don 't just have diners like some cities in america sorry' not <laughs> even deprecating but that 's true. We have cafe culture in europe we really should 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 cultivate it, but then we have all these other uh, elements that uh, cities are really working hard at like creating the startup ecosystem creating creating uh, kind of the all this, all these things that drive the new economies and and then also usually they are either. Uh, surrounded by industry or have industry, like big industry as part of it, and they have a big traditions. And it, you're quite right. The only thing that really is is, is a roadblock uh, currently in lots of those are the kind of layers of administration and the really rigid structures that ha- were driven by the previous kind of, well, the systems that have been running up till now. And it's really, it's really funny because, you know, Germany being such an amazingly advanced nation in the, in the world sphere actually is hindered by the fact that it's so well developed and it has been developing for so long that all the structures are so rigidly embedded in the fabric that you now can't break them down. We go to Brazil and we introduce one smart bot per child as a new way to teach children digital literacy through Music tech. Because kids will interact with music, they will make new musical instruments, they get a fast feedback loop from music, so they learn super quickly, they have fun, and they will engage with digital tools as a new form of literacy. Bearing in mind that in Brazil, 10% of kids are illiterate, uh, um, uh, there's a 10% illiteracy in Brazil. It's massive. So basically, you can go in t- from a different angle, and because the structure is not as evolved as it is in Germany, for instance, in education terms, you can leapfrog ahead and you can go into this new thing. And here we have a problem, for instance, in going into schools in in, in Germany because it is so well organized, so well structured, but it's structured for an era that was based on the printing press, which was an amazing technological invention and it enabled so many wonderful things, but it has created jargon, you know, we evolved languages out of it. We, we, we evolved ways of communication that are based on, on around this tool that are phenomenal. But we have other ones now. So somehow we need to integrate them or somehow we need to bridge between the two. And, you know, as you say, in the city, if the cities realize or, or, or are more informed about where we are now, the more they are data enabled, the more they start to use the data-enabled public buildings, for instance, as a tool for interaction, the more they realize there are new ways in which we can we can evolve things. It's a bit more of a challenge, to say, where you have those rigid structures.
0: Would you say the city is more sort of like the interface or providing the, the space for the interaction rather than being the initiator of the process? Maybe it's more productive to have someone from the outside do the initiative and bring in the expertise um, and not have the cities do that? Um, I mean, that's a question for everyone. As well, but Michaela, I think sorry,
2: you're, you're sorry, there. sorry. Um, um, oh, uh, I think it's good. I think it's a useful thing for administration to think of their city as a as a tool for interaction or as an interface. I think it's a useful thing to. I'm not saying the city is or isn't. To me, a city is an ecosystem. If it's a well balanced ecosystem, it's a good productive city. That's what I would say. Um, I think what. Lots of cities are realized, including Mannheim. Uh, in fact, Mannheim was one of our main inspirations, but actually we realized we were approached as, at Music Tech Fest by a whole bunch of different cities in Europe, particularly, um, that said, we would like to be a music tech city because we see music as a fantastic cultural attractor, but tech, you know, obviously technology combined with music as a way to digitize the city and engage people in this way. And they came into it from different perspectives and we realized that there is a potential to launch an award for a music tech city. So we're going to do an inaugural award at our our first big Stockholm event this this, uh, first week in September um, and invite cities to, to, to apply for it. And this is not about cities that have achieved a level of... I don't know, excellence in music tech. Far from it. It's actually cities that have the intention to develop in this way because I, we, th- we think that th- that's incredibly, incredibly useful and very productive for, for the population. So, so this is what we've decided to do in
3: response to, to uh, the landscape that's been evolving.
0: Okay, awesome, Ellen.
3: You want yeah, to add? Yeah, okay. Something? Uh, I think Michaela captured it very well. Um, I want to add something. So I think it's uh, right that um, culture is uh, key for cultural cohesion, uh, for cultural continuation, for innovation. It's the, it's the you call it the um, social clue. and we have um, to ensure that we have a um, big pool of cultural data available, accessible, and reusable. And but it's not only about. Uh, cultural heritage institutions or about uh, the public institutions or research institutions to open up and um, make available their data. It's also about to empower, um, on the other side, the um, city, the smart city, to use uh, the private data and um, to have it and use it um, to create um, create uh, solutions for our social problems. And this is uh, we do discuss a lot about how to open up museums, archives, libraries, and so on, and how to make available um, this public information, um, but which is not in um, our focus is how to make available this private data and we have now a, re- a revision of the public sector information um, directive and it seems um, to come that in um, the nearer future um, it will apply also on um, the private data and hopefully then we have um, opportunity to use also um, this kind of data for um, cultural continuation.
0: Okay, time is running out, uh, but I want to open up the floor for a couple of questions from the audience. I'm sure there are um, questions for either Katja, Michaela, Ellen or Marcus.
5: Yeah, hello, my name is Holger Schwetter. I'm very, I think this is a really fascinating panel and... Um, I work on two of the fields, I have to think about which one I pick out now. Maybe I pick out your thing first because I'm a musicologist, I work on music listening situation because that's the f- the core of music and I, rather than constructing a musical piece as an absolute entity outside of time and space, it's, I think it's more useful to go into the situation and see what people do with music and then from there research what the music does. So I would be very interested in, in the data you gather and, but at the same point, I think hmm, it's private data. Can I afford that as a scientist? You know, so so again, this how to bridge this interest that you have of monetizing such data. On the other hand, how can you supply science or cities with some, with some access that is I don't know that yeah that refers to your interest, but at the same time is also. Yeah, somehow publicly justified
4: or cheap? I don't know how to put it. Um, first of all, uh, thanks for the question. Very good question, by the way. Um, our data is accessible to anyone who uses GrooveCat. Like, you can also like on our on our search screen, you can search for emotions, and then it will give you recommendations depending on which location you are. And how the weather is, for example. So um, the data is available for everyone. Uh, what we what we will monetize is how we cluster the data, and um, which vast amount of data will be yeah will be clustered and actually uh, displayed to the to the customer. So. If you're interested in any kind of like, okay, we have this uh, this particular song here, and I want to know the the emotional reaction of people on it. Um, you can just go on the app and like search for it, so um, and like grasp our uh, experiences from there. So. Hello, my name is Olaf. I would like to know how you deal with the legal situation. I listen to Rihanna take a picture or to Pink, it's, and I put it. Uh, on YouTube or facebook i don 't have the rights for the song, and I guess you don 't have them either so <laughs> uh, i, I don 't get it how you how you deal with this situation um, actually, we do not host any any kind of copyrighted content. Uh, the copyrighted content in this case, the music is coming from your own Spotify account, so you do need a, a premium account from any any uh, s- uh, streaming service to experience the, f- the, the um, music moments somebody else is um, uploading. Um, there is a way of using it without a premium account because um, the preview will be playing in the music moment from, your, uh, from Spotify when you consume it. So this is how we circumvent the legal issues. Yeah.
2: Matthias, there was a funny moment Any? that I can add to that. Sure. In 2009, um, um, that before I founded the Music Tech Fest did this well we created an environment at, at SIGGRAPH in New Orleans There was basically based on the idea that each person in the city carries a playlist with them and you know when you walk around the city and you look at someone might look really interesting you come closer and you listen to their headphones and they're listening to something really rubbish and you go you listen to that you know and it's basically you form an opinion on the people around you based on both the appearance and kind of their musical taste and so we created this environment where you could walk each person was a playlist and you could hear in binaural audio all the other people who were walking around and um, and you could basically walk towards someone if they were listening to something interesting and you could even like um, eliminate those that were rubbish. And it was kind of used as a way of social interaction. Um, but in those days, we didn't have Spotify. So, for instance, you say you plug now into Spotify and you can actually roll this idea out into the city exactly with your Just system. Actually,
4: our initial idea, what you, exp- um, what you explain right now, It was the initial idea that's where we started from in 2016, like making visible what people are listening to. So that's uh, quite a- funny it's coincidence
2: a, it has so many ramifications you can yeah. really engage uh, groups and crowds and cliques in the city and see how the social like, interaction flows and this kind of data clusters are super in, in, uh, interesting especially like you said to uh, uh, they can be interesting to researchers they can be interesting to brands because obviously they never understand who is the influencer in real space or, uh, you know of, of a particular taste of cultural trends
0: yeah absolutely that's why I was saying I think uh, Cities should be interested in what you're doing, and not only cities. Um, I think we have time for one final question if there's one. Any questions? No. Then, I, I think uh, I would close. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Marcus and Michaela, uh, Katja, for, for being here, for engaging in the discussion. I think this was only a starting point. I think we'll have to do, uh, continue the discussion uh, for quite a bit of time uh, in order to meaningfully connect uh, the smart city with the music city. Uh, but I'm glad that we got together here and, and made a, um, the start of the discussion. And uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll continue it at different events uh, throughout the world. Um, thank Thank you uh, for uh, Republica for hosting us and enjoy the uh, next two days at Republica. Thanks for being here.
3: Thank you. <laughs>